Both Mary and uh, Simeon recognized by God the Holy Spirit that the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, meant the fulfillment of God's promises and his people, uh, to his people, not only then, but from ancient times. Now, because Christmas has become so universally observed, it's easy to, be, to mistake being familiar with the events and with the scenery, um, with the understanding and believing that the gospel message embodies. It's easy to think because we're familiar with what's supposed to happen that that's the same as understanding and believing the gospel message. That, however, that understanding is a specific work of God the Holy Spirit in the heart and the mind of the believer. We don't lose sight of this truth, I think, on purpose, but it's one of those things that creeps on us without our realizing it. Christmas is, to you who believe, what it is, not because of the traditions, not because of the trees and the lights, not because of the family get-togethers and the gift exchanges, but because God has, by his grace, chosen you for himself and revealed the truth of all this to your heart and gifted you with the faith to believe it and to recognize it as a part of the work of redemption that was undertaken by God for your soul. And your understanding of it on that level is a gift of God the Holy Spirit. Without that gift and work of the Holy Spirit, you would not have that understanding. John says in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 2 through 3 this. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, that is personal spirit, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You'll recognize the evidence of the Spirit of God in you because you recognize that God sent his Son in the flesh, John says. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. The Apostle Paul put it this way to the Thessalonians. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Now listen carefully to what Paul says. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, speaking of the Thessalonians, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Paul says he chose you to be saved. And he did that by, by opening to you the truth of his word by the power of the Spirit working in you. It's because of this work, beloved, of God, the Holy Spirit, in you, says Peter, that though you've not seen Jesus, you love him. That though you do not now see him, 
you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy or with glory. So this joy that we're expressing this morning, this, this happiness, this, this celebration that we're having, is the result of the witness of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. Not the music, not the traditions, not the decorations, not the gift giving, but it's the result of the revelation of God working in you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Everything that both Mary and Simeon bore testimony to concerning the birth of Christ was a result of the Holy Spirit working in them. Mary looked at what had been revealed to her, as, as Mr. Brillhart so beautifully expressed it this morning, and she looked at what was happening to her, and she cried out in Luke chapter 1 and said, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She wasn't looking at herself alone. She said, this is a testimony of God's faithfulness and his grace for, from generation to generation. From, from before she ever came into the world to far beyond she was gone from the world and it is even being revealed now. Now, how did she see that? How did she understand that this is who this was that she was giving birth to by the Holy Spirit? She went on to say, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Well, this is God, she says, working and fulfilling his word, not only for now, but for the blessing of the offspring of Abraham, those who believe, believe by faith forever. You believe because of the Holy Spirit working in you. She understood that because of the Holy Spirit working in her. She didn't see this simply as an incident involving just herself and revolving around her life at the moment, but by the Spirit she saw all this as an event encompassing the ages and tying her to every believer who lived before her and would live after her. And she was tied together in that way by the Holy Spirit revealing those things to her. Isn't it interesting? I don't know if Mary would have, when the angel was finished with her, gotten her cell phone out and gone on TikTok and said, I want to tell you about me and all the wonderful things that just happened to me and how special I'm going to be. And look at me, everybody. See who I am? She doesn't do that, does she? She reflects back on the word of God and pushes all the glory out to God for what's been done to her and what is being done to her. And why? Because that's natural to her? No. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is going on in her heart. The same is true of Simeon. Three times his relationship with the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And Mr. Bastian made mention of it. But in verses 25 through 27, it's mentioned three times. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Holy Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do with him according to the custom of the law, he picked him up and he looked at him and said, Here is my salvation. He too, beloved, saw and understood that what was happening wasn't just tied to him and his life, that it had eternal implications for all ages, saying that this Jesus Christ was the means of salvation to all peoples, not just himself. He said Jesus was a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Oh, beloved of the Lord, I pray that you will never lose sight of the fact that your understanding and all your hopes regarding the things surrounding the incarnation are a matter of God, the Holy Spirit, working in you. Don't lose sight of that. Pray that you'll never lose sight of that. That their evidence of Christ in you, Christ choosing you to be his very own, Christ sending his spirit to you to bless you, to bless you with a faith that saves you from sin and from death. You know, there are literally millions of people as familiar with the events and the scenes surrounding this holiday as you are. But because their knowledge is carnal, one born out of tradition and mere outward experience, it's sentimental and it's mostly nostalgic. But also, because of that, it comes and goes with the season and with their moods. But your knowledge is Holy Spirit born and of a richer die. When you and I rejoice at the birth of the Christ child, we're hardly alone. There are millions who will join with us this week in celebrating his birth. But there are also, in accord with God's sovereign will, perhaps millions yet to come who will rejoice at the news of his birth and all its gracious and wonderful implications for them throughout eternity. And beloved, there are untold millions who shared in the promise and who rejoice with us in its fulfillment from ages past. It was Mary who mentioned Abraham and all his offspring. And it was Jesus himself who said to the doubting Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham rejoiced to see it, rejoiced to know that it was coming. And he saw it, and he rejoiced at my day, the day I came into the world, to offer myself as a sacrifice for sin. And it's right here that I hope the Lord will fix your attention as we close this morning. On this point of Abraham seeing his day and it making that patriarch glad. You understand what that implies, right? Abraham was alive and presciently or consciously able to be gladdened by the events we're celebrating today. 
and he perceived them as the fulfillment of a promise made to him by his God. The promise wasn't just for you and me and all who would follow the event, but all those who were looking forward to it as well. Their perspective was much different than ours is, but it was still a matter of great joy for them to contemplate. Abraham rejoiced to think about my day, Jesus said. It isn't wedded to a day, but it's wedded to a promise. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the wonders of that great work of grace. And it is attended with joy. Joy for me, joy for you, joy for Abraham, joy for Mary, joy for Simeon, joy for all who are coming behind us. Who will see the importance of this, not because of the traditions, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together this morning to celebrate and to remember the incarnation. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Spirit, Christ working in us, so that we, with Abraham, rejoice to see this day. Not only with Abraham, Lord, but with all the believers from Adam down to the day of Christ's birth, and all the believers since the day of Christ's birth to the end of this age. We are tied together in our joy that while we were in darkness, the light came into the world. And by the work of the Holy Spirit in us through grace, we have faith and we have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this blessing. We give our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.